This is the Straight Dope Podcast. I've gotten two questions that have come up in conversation over the last couple weeks, and I felt like this morning was a good time to pump out an episode. Things have been a little bit crazy here this week. Uh, One of my brothers had a baby, and family's coming in, and kids are getting shuffled around, and so free time is becoming more scarce, and uh, it started to snow, so I've been putting off uh, just coming down here and squeezing out a couple episodes. This one's going to be shorter so that I can pump out a few more shorter ones, hopefully, and then I've got some interviews coming out very soon to fill up the voids. Let's see. A couple updates. One, I had to up, update the podcast plan because we have been exceeding the number of downloads uh, every month. So the number of listeners out there are awesome. And, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands of listeners per week. And, when, and that amplifies to even bigger for a month because some people don't listen every week. So thank you for listening. Uh, it's cool to see that there's that many people worldwide that are into this kind of stuff and downloading it and listening to it. So uh, appreciate it. If you want to support the podcast and you want to get even more specific information, if you subscribe to riflecraft.com, you can not only get upgraded analytics, you get an email, the, the subcoms email that I send out weekly, and I've started a new subscriber-only podcast called The Subcast, where we talk about the same kind of things, but in a deeper level, and uh, that started just the other week, and so I'm laying that foundation of like getting started so that every time you get started, you can start working from the ground up and add layers and layers to your system. Another way is to go check out AccuFireTech.com. And lastly, another one is to go to MileHighShooting.com. Right now, they're giving out a lot of discounts, discounts on ammo, reloading equipment, and I believe uh, they've got some other stuff going on with uh, Accuracy International and Zeiss Optics, as well as carrying Zero Compromise, Night Force, Loophold, and pretty much everything that you need. Uh, they have been offering a lot of awesome discounts, not to mention the fact that they typically have very competitive prices and can ship anywhere in the country. So check out Mile High Shooting, and um, all of that goes a long way to help support the podcast. question revolves around two basically similar questions in far as, as far as my eyes. One is, my buddy is all screwed up, but he shoots a really tight group all the time. What do I do? And the other one is, can I do everything wrong and still shoot a good group? And I think that the answer is the same thing. I'm going to take up a side of this only for the sake of argument, but but it's the one that I tend to lean towards anyway. Now, Hunter Sighting just just kind of went by, so I get to watch a lot of shooters that that that's their primary that's their primary thing. Once a year, they bring out their rifles and zero them, shoot them a little bit, and then go uh, hunting. And here in Colorado, you know the ranges there aren't that many ranges with public hunter sighting, so the range that I belong to is private. We open our doors for a couple months and allow hunters to come do that, and members volunteer to help those hunters, you know, answer their questions and then just watch them shoot. So, so I'm, you know, I like watching people shoot and I like to figure stuff out. So the, the question really is, 
um, you know, if I if I if I hit wherever I aim, does it matter what it looks like? And and the first answer is no. If you can always do that, you know, if I say, all right, we're going to shoot two hundred rounds, and your two hundred shots are always exactly where you aim, and you've got a sub inch group over two hundred shots, build and break from you know whatever any position, then you've got a thing or two to show me and I want to learn and I want to figure out what you're doing. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you hold your breath, slap your trigger, do whatever. If you can do consistent, reliable, repeatable results, that's all that matters because all that matters in shooting is where the bullet goes, right? Here's the issue. Most shooters are shooting from prone or some kind of modified prone from a bench. And I do believe that you can be all sorts of screwed up and shoot a pretty good group from that all sorts of screwed up prone position, and that won't transfer to other positions. So here's the caveat. If you're going to only shoot from that position, no matter what you ever do, and you absolutely will never shoot from a non-prone position, then the conversation doesn't matter. But prone hides fundamental flaws. And those fundamental flaws that prone hides expose themselves as soon as you get out of prone. So if you're going to do seated, kneeling, standing, or if you're going to shoot from a tripod, or you're going to put a bag on something. That's why I'm a proponent for developing your fundamentals in the non-prone position. Because you can, basically, if you take the list of fundamentals of marksmanship, I can stack them, layer them, and exaggerate them in prone, and probably print a pretty good group. I can't do that when I'm off of the ground. And even more so when you're shooting um, unsupported, you know, just offhand. And I think that the fundamentals of marksmanship probably exposed themselves and became a thing because people were largely shooting offhand. But nowadays, shooting offhand really isn't much of a thing. And you don't need to have as strict adherence to those fundamentals. The problem is you have to be able to apply them well enough to shoot consistently from any position. So I hold to the belief that if you can get on any position, let's say we had a cattle gate or something, you know, one inch pipe or an inch and a half pipe or tube or, you know, something, a branch, and you were you could shoot from it standing and then drop down six inches and then shoot from it standing and then drop down six inches and bend over and shoot and then drop down six inches and be high kneeling and drop down six inches and be regular kneeling and then you know and you went all the way down there and your point of aim point of impact was consistent across all those it doesn't matter if you were bladed canted buttstock was on your chest in your shoulder free recoiling you know it, I don't think it matters because you're consistent and you can apply what you do consistently over time. I would say that to expose those flaws, you add layers of complexity. And, and so if you think, well, okay, I'm, I'm pretty awesome at shooting groups prone, awesome. If you think that your fundamentals are as solid as it gets, go to kneeling, you know, put a bag over the end of your tripod and shoot kneeling and see how well it matches. If it does, you might be onto something. If it doesn't, my guess is, your prone position is hiding fundamental flaws. And so exposing those fundamental flaws, first of all, comes from just getting off the ground. And I think that's what the rifle craft drill does really well. Now, adding stress to that is another layer because in the world of shooting, there's going to be stress of some sort. 
right? Physical, mental, and likely a combination of both, right? You, you hustle to get a position, whatever that hustle is. You're nervous because the shot matters. And how well you control yourself, how well you've inoculated yourself to stress and your nervous system to not have the negative consequences of stiff muscles, you know, shaking hands, um, you know, what, what fast breath. I, I don't know what, how you respond to stress versus how I respond to stress, but the stress response for you is probably going to be fairly consistent for you, and it's going to be fairly consistent for me. So you expose those stressors. And if you don't want to expose those stressors, the other way to do it is get a little bit less support on the rifle. You know, rifle weight, if the rifle's balanced, I tend to shoot just the same. So if it's a 30-pound rifle or a 10-pound rifle, I shoot them about the same, actually. In fact, my best groups are from lighter rifles that are well-balanced because I can drive them pretty well. Um, And in a lot of positions and scenarios, having a heavier rifle, to me, is more of a detriment than an advantage. Now, I understand if you're throwing it up on a barricade on a big bag and you just want to like instantaneously have it settled and ready to shoot that the heavy rifle, heavy bag are an advantage. But in many scenarios, um, you're not just standing there ready to go with everything ready to go. So um, lugging it around and moving it from one position to the next decreases maneuverability and position building time um, you know, outside of the lumberjack, you know, kind of chop, um, you can't, you can, you just can't run through positions with a heavier rifle, like you can, uh, a lighter one. And then going back towards what I believe the fundamentals of marksmanship kind of developing themselves as is, you know, you get a bunch of yahoos and you give them a bunch of guns and you say, let's teach you all how to shoot. It's a pretty good canned way to get people in their shooting more consistent than they started with unsupported. But again, most of us nowadays aren't shooting unsupported. Tripods are light. We have light bags and the combination of light bags and terrain make it not super realistic that you're just going to stand there and shoot offhand unless it's for a picture or something like that. Um, and so with a bull gun, uh, and, and that's just my opinion. Like I, my, my guess is if you're shooting a bull gun, you've got, time on your side because you've got distance capabilities and if you have time and distance you don't just need to like snap it up and you know cinch down your rifle sling and exhale and take that shot I mean you could if, if you had the capability of doing that like I don't see anything wrong with that but most people are going to miss shots doing it that way whereas all you have to do is take a step to the left and put your rifle on a branch or a wall or a rock or a, the hood of a truck or you know something voila, you've got stability, and and it kind of goes out the window. And then having the awareness not to jump straight to shooting, but to look around for a position and do the things that you need to do to guarantee impacting the target, you get that benefit with a bolt gun because you've got the benefit of time and distance, right? It's not the same thing with a carbine and close-up stuff because time and distance is the, you know, is the opposite. Right. So can you shoot a good group consistently from one position? Yeah. My guess is you could do anything you want to and shoot a pretty good group prone. And my guess is if you don't have fundamentals that transfer out of that, it would behoove you to work on it because it's going to, you know, it's likely going to keep your prone shooting similar. Right. Might open it up a tiny bit at first, but then you'll become 
proficient and develop a universal fundamental uh, capability. And that universal fundamental capability is probably going to transfer over to whatever your style is, unless you're, you're shooting F class. And in which case, you know, then you probably don't listen to this podcast in the first place. So, uh, if, but if you go out in the field or if you hunt, the chances are that it would benefit you to make sure that your fundamentals are consistent across the positions that you plan on shooting from. If somebody is fucked up looking and doing everything that you heard that they should do wrong, but they're printing groups in all positions that are better than yours, you need to rethink, I think you need to rethink why you think that's fucked up because I think that's the wrong way to look at it, right? We don't need to all look the same when we do it. We need to be able to print smaller and smaller, more accurate and more precise groups. And I don't care what you look like when you do it, if it's repeatable. The problem is most people can't do that out of prone. It's not repeatable. And therefore, they're kind of hiding behind an elevated skill and unwilling to address the weaknesses. And you know, that's, I think that's a normal human quality. That's why people kind of, once they have a little bit of success in one style of competition, often don't want to or would dare go to another style because all of a sudden their standard of performance is going to drop because it exposes the fact that they don't have the skills outside of their little niche. I'm obsessed with being well-rounded and trying to think of broader more universal characteristics of shooting, but I also don't really care too much about one style or competition style because of that. And so, um, you know, that's, that's where I'm looking at it. And I think that it will apply, you know, to hunter, the bigger groups of shooters, it's going to apply to more and more in a more meaningful way because it's going to, because they're taking fewer shots over the year, it's going to have a higher success rate or a higher, or it's going to lower their miss rate, I guess, because if, you know, if you've zeroed in a lead sled, but you're not shooting in a lead sled, we have no idea where that bullet's going to go. So the best thing that you could do is get super duper close. But, you know, if you're there with a bolt gun in a lead sled, I would wager to say that that shooter is probably not going to get super duper close to an animal, right? And so, the behaviors and the characteristics say something. But to me, what they say is different than what some other people say, right? I don't care what it looks like. I care what the paper says. But what the paper says has to be from a variety of positions and heights. Otherwise, you're not really measuring what you think you're measuring. So that's food for thought, and uh, I'd like to hear back from you. I'm going to put a link to uh, voicemail feature that we're, I'm trying to get audio questions. It's in the show notes. So when you're listening to it and you click on it, there's going to be a link in there and you can click on that and it will say, you know, leave an audio or a voicemail. And I think that'd be a cool way to leave messages and hopefully um, you guys start using those or whatever. And again, thank you. The podcast is growing massive. Like I, I don't even know how cool that is and where the, the people are, I want to try to figure out the user groups because, you know, if, if, if there's a couple hundred competition dynamic shooters and, you know, several hundred more hunter shooters and, you know, there's, I don't know, five or 600 PRS shooters out there, like we've dwarfed those numbers. And so the people that are listening to this are from other communities, which is pretty cool, but I just want to figure out what those communities are 
so that we can talk some more about things tailored towards their specific goals and needs too, since, you know, we're adding zeros, multiple zeros to, to those other numbers. So anyway, reach out and tell me what your outlets are and your interests. Uh, if you want to, you can email me, you can reach out on social media, or you can leave me a voicemail on that button link that is going to be on today's show's notes and yesterday's show's notes. And uh, if you're on the subcast, there'll be stuff there too, but you have my email, so subscribers typically just email me directly. But anyway, uh, until next time.